Welcome to the 21st episode of Sound the Foghorn. As always, I am your host, Mark Deluki. This is our 21st episode, but more importantly, it is on the eve of opening day. That's right, today is March 31st, and as most of you know, the Giants season starts tomorrow. First pitch against the Seattle Mariners on April 1st at 4.10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And today, as we move from the offseason to the regular season, we also have an exciting announcement. Um, Again, as most of you, if you're aware with sort of how Around the Foghorn works, there's no real full-time employees of the site. We're all part-time contributors, freelancers like myself. And so I am hoping to now move this podcast to twice a week. Again, I can't guarantee that just because of, you know, my own scheduling and availability of other opportunities come up throughout the season that might take away more time. But the plan is to have two episodes a week on Wednesdays and Sundays. As you know, throughout the offseason, we've been releasing a pod once a week, once every Sunday. We're now going to go to Wednesday and Sunday with the goal being to have a guest on once a week, uh, whether it's someone close to the Giants, talk about the Giants, maybe someone close to another team the Giants will be playing, and then one I'll be doing solo, just reviewing the team, talking about the latest happenings in the Giants baseball world. And so obviously it's opening day, and that means we know the Giants opening day roster. And it turned out, you know, with all the posts and articles I wrote, all the articles many people wrote speculating which non-roster invitee would crack the bullpen. Would it be Dominique Leone or Zach Littell or Jimmy Scherfe? Could Trevor Gott find his way back on there? Could Nick Trapiano be a long reliever? Who would that displace from the 40-man roster? Could that force them to trade Darren Ruff or move Jalen Davis or designate Jalen Davis for assignment? Maybe Steven Duggar's time with the Giants organization has come to an end. And on the offensive side too, to be fair, Jason Vosser was someone in that conversation. Does he make the opening day roster? Do they option a player like Reyes Maranta returning from injury? And in the end, it turned out to be much ado about nothing. The Giants reassigned Leon. I'm not sure if it's Leon, Leon or Leone. Um, I'm going to go with Leone, but uh, I could be wrong on that. But anyway, they reassigned Leone and Latell to the minor league uh, camp, the alternate site that presumably would, well, they will uh, join the AAA Sacramento Rivercats roster when that season gets underway. And Nick Trapiano is reassigned to the... Tr- uh, taxi squad, which will travel with the roster. So presumably if there is an injury or someone has to miss time, Trapiano will be added down the line. Now, all three, especially Trapiano and Leona, are almost assured to get opportunities, assuming health throughout the season, just the way the Giants have maneuvered. But what was interesting is that we saw the Giants not get creative. They weren't making minor moves left and right. They weren't trying to buy a backup shortstop or find a backup shortstop for the upper minor leagues or find a middle reliever they liked or find another outfielder. It seems perhaps we're getting to the point where Farhan Zaidi is confident enough and comfortable enough with his own roster that we aren't going to see as much moving around the edges in terms of these minor trades. Now, again, I could say this and then tomorrow they make, you know, some trade for a backup shortstop or something to that effect and, and that blows us up. But, you know, I think it is interesting to say Leone Trapiano experienced big league veterans. You know, it would it made a lot of sense for either of them to be on the opening day roster. The Giants could have very easily 
optioned Reyes Maranta, who again is returning from shoulder surgery. He walked as many players as he struck out in spring training. I, I frankly um, am curious to see how he looks to start the year. Caleb Berger, another interesting note. Remember, he wanted to be a starter. He came into camp asking for another chance to start. It doesn't look like he's going to get that. He makes the big league roster, which I'm sure he's happy about, but obviously in the bullpen. I was expecting the Giants to reassign him to AAA where he could be in the AAA rotation. I was curious to see if he could find success in a a longer role as a starter stretched out. The Giants, though, comfortable enough with him in the bullpen, maybe don't have the same confidence in his ability to acclimate to starting. And so he's now in the big league bullpen. But with that, the Giants only have three right-handed relief Pitchers, Reyes Maranta, Tyler Rogers, an offseason acquisition, Matt Whistler. And again, I mentioned why with Maranta's injury last season and the, you know, inconsistencies we've seen in the past with his command, and we saw this spring training, you know, it's going to be dicey, especially if manager Gabe Kapler wants to play platoons as aggressively as he did last season. Now, I don't think that's in the cards. You have two fewer roster spots. The bullpen is smaller, and the starting rotation It's going to be interesting. Alex Wood will start the season on the injured list. He had a spine ablation, I believe, removed uh, a few weeks ago. He's rehabbing it. I'm not a medical expert. I could have entirely jumbled that. But he's dealing with recovering from a back operation. It's supposedly not major, but still needs some more time. He did throw a simulated game a few days ago, so, so one can presume he should be ready in a week or two, um, or maybe two to three weeks. But... You have Logan Webb sliding in, coming off the best spring training we've seen from him ever, and frankly, might be the best stretch we've seen from him as a professional, which would be a huge development, obviously, for his potential future in the organization. Kevin Gautzman, though, will be starting on opening day, as expected. Johnny Cueto, the veteran stalwart, will be pitching on the second day. Logan Webb, followed by Anthony DiSclefani and Aaron Sanchez. But I want to talk about how... The Giants front office did everything they could to avoid losing any talent. Meaning, Leone, Trapiano, Littell, all these players who were signed to Meyer League deal, Shurfi, uh, Shun Yamaguchi, Scott Kazmir. There's an argument for many of them. Some of them had strong spring trainings. Junior Marte, another one. Had strong spring trainings, could have very easily justified as saying they are one of the 13th best pitchers in these organization. Instead, the organization said, we are not going to risk exposing one of the players on our 40-man roster to waivers. We are not going to designate anyone for assignment in a time where so much is still moving, right? There's so many moving parts to rosters at this point in the year. Lots of teams are saving 40-man roster spots, planning to poach someone off waivers, planning to try to acquire someone in a minor trade. So the Giants doing this says to me they are confident in all 40 men on their roster, even players like Steven Duggar, who are carryovers from the previous regime. At this point, we've reached the point where Farhan Zaidi is happy, or at least content, with the depth on the Giants roster. And what that means going forward is that you are going to see Trapiano and Leone, barring injury, I think, this season. Now, Zach Littell is in a category of his own for me. He is 25 years old. He is very young relative to, you know, Trapiano and Leone, who are both either approaching or in their early 30s. You know, those are big league veterans who are going to see big league time, assuming they're healthy. Littell's younger. Like, Littell could spend, you know, most of the year in the minor leagues, maybe before a late season call-up. Now, 
I think his youth is also the reason the Giants might be more inclined to give him an opportunity, right? He's only really had two short stints in the major leagues, only 43 career appearances over three seasons. And in 2019, you know, was really effective for the Twins in the bullpen. And so I think you will probably see him towards the end of the year, but he's someone I think the Giants are viewing much more as a long-term piece, more so than someone like Trapiano or Leon, who, who, who again, there's just less team control. There's, there's less, you know, long-term upside. And I realize upside isn't a term we use often for relief pitchers, but, you know, Littell is kind of closer in mold to a Hunter Strickland than he is to a Santiago Casilla. And again, these are not to say these are the mold to pitchers, but just in terms of the age, the experience level that the Giants acquired these pitchers at. So we're going to take a... Actually, we're not going to take a break. We're going to keep this going. We'll only do one commercial break this episode. And because um, I really appreciate it, um, as I've mentioned previously, if you leave a five-star review... Make sure to include in your comment. Uh, if you leave a five-star review for this podcast, I will answer a question um, if you leave it. So uh, in your comment section, make sure to, to include a question. I mean, you know, about Giants baseball, but really anything. And I'll be happy to answer it on the pod. We've had a couple over the past couple weeks, and I've been meaning to get to them. But this is the perfect time. So first question um, actually came in via Twitter. Um, is I'm kind of surprised the Giants are starting the season with no backup shortstop, really, and no true center fielder, despite having an overabundance of right side infielders and outfielders. Shouldn't they have traded for a backup shortstop and center fielder? And given all the talk of lineup flexibility, shouldn't some of the players be flexible enough to play shortstop or be a solid center fielder? And I'm going to combine this question I got um, from another one, from another uh, listener and reader, is, hey, Mark, could Matt Duffy be a realistic option as a bat- backup shortstop for the Giants if he doesn't make the Cubs roster? Well, to answer the second question, Duffy did end up making the Cubs opening day roster, and, and Giants fans will be happy uh, to-, to root for him, even if it is in a Cubs uniform. But um, I think, again, he would have been someone who, even if he does make the roster, who knows, the Cubs are in kind of this weird space. The, the Giants have this depth of relief pitching. You know, I mentioned a Leone, Trapiano, Latell, a Shurfee. Like, I don't think it's out of the question that down the line, the Giants could trade a Wandy Peralta or a Shurfee or, or someone in that mode for a Duffy if they felt the roster kind of needed a, a shortstop option. I think it could be, but I think that gets into the original question. That's why I tied these two together. Shouldn't they have traded for a backup shortstop and center fielder? Well, I'll give you first the answer I think Farhan Zaidi would give you. I think if you were in the Giants front office, I think I understand the logic. I think the Giants believe that positional defense, the value of defense is a lot more egalitarian than most others around baseball perceive it. And what I mean by that is you talk to most people around baseball about defensive value. They will talk to you about the positions up the middle, mainly center field, shortstop, and catcher. That those three positions are pivotal to having a good defense. And that you can afford, you know, a bad left fielder, you can live with that. A bad first baseman or third baseman, you can live with that if you have those pieces up the middle. Part of this, I think, has to do with their aggressiveness with shifts. The Giants, I don't necessarily 
think view the nine positions on the field as that different. You know, we can talk about Evan Longoria being a third baseman, but we've seen the shifts where he's over, you know, in shallow right field. He's on the infield dirt at second base. He's standing behind second base up the middle. So, you know, I think that's a perfect example, right? Evan Longoria is a third baseman, but he's playing a lot of positions all over the place. And similarly in the outfield, right? You may have a center fielder, but they're moving around with these shifts. And obviously they're still going to be in the middle of two other outfielders, but the spacing is very differentiated based on the shifts, based on how they want to try to maximize their defense. And so what I think that does is the Giants believe that most teams, most organizations, and maybe even most managers are overvaluing the impact of a center fielder, a shortstop, a catcher, and potentially undervaluing the impact of other positions. Now, you may say, well, Mark, they haven't really invested defensively in the corners either. We've seen Darren Ruff in left field. We've seen these other guys. But, you know, when we look at Evan Longoria, obviously someone they inherited, he's going to be at third base. That's an elite defensive third baseman. Brandon Belt, uh, it looks like he's good to go for opening day. You know, there was... Uh, his off-season surgery on his foot. Then he had COVID-19 with symptoms. Then he had mono, a pretty severe case of mono, and it was you know, touch and go. He didn't play much in spring training. We'll see um, if he starts playing every day or if they kind of work him back slowly, but he's on the opening day roster. He's an elite defensive first baseman when healthy. You know, we, we think about Donovan Solano last season. Obviously, he was bad defensively. There's no way around it. But prior to that, he was a glove first guy. Let's not forget that. He was considered a really good defensive second baseman who, remember, was actually kind of competent at shortstop in 2019 before last season things fell apart when he began the year at third base and it seemed to get him all out of whack. I don't think it's out of the question that maybe Solano slides over to shortstop on an occasion or two in an emergency role. So I think the answer is the Giants think no. They think Mauricio Dubon is their primary center fielder and he can be their primary backup shortstop because they think Mike Yastrzemski is capable of handling center field in a pinch. And I think the biggest development, one of the stars of spring training, Austin Slater, actually absolutely demolished the ball, put up massive offensive numbers. But the other thing was, he played a good amount of center field, and he looked solid out there. He didn't look exceptional. He didn't look like Jackie Bradley Jr., but he looked like a solid defensive center fielder. And I've been openly critical of the Yastrzemski. Uh, it's not fair to call it an experiment at this point because they've done it consistently for the last couple of seasons. But Yastrzemski in center field, I've been critical. I think he's an fr- uh, average, below-average defender in right field. I think putting him in center is really not an ideal use of his skill set, but Slater, I have to admit, looks like he could be an average and maybe even a tad above average defensively in center, and I think that changes it too. I think if you believe Austin Slater is capable of playing center field and playing it well, that changes the entire calculus, right? Because then, if you have Austin Slater capable of playing center, Mauricio Dubon can be kind of that Kike Hernandez bounce between shortstop and center field. Now, again, that's a lot to put on Mauricio Dubon's shoulders, right? And, you know, he's still young. He's only really had a season in a half, really about, you know, 100 games or so of big league experience. I'm going to pull up right now how many big league games he has played in. I'm going to pull up that baseball reference page. Yeah, he's played in 84 games 
And, you know, he's hit 270, 320, 400. That's a solid, that's a league average batting line. But that's 84 games. That's 288 plate appearances, right? So, you know, there's reason for concern isn't the right word. Reason for caution, right? Reason to say, well, I'd like a proven shortstop there too. And this is where I'll move away from what the Giants front office. Actually, before I do that, I will say this. One thing about Dubon, um, you, you look at his numbers and you say he hasn't walked much in the minor leagues, the major leagues. It's been a lot of hit and miss. His walk rate over his career is about 6.97%. He hasn't struck out much, and, and that's been one of the things that's been a positive on, on his side, right? He, he's always put the ball in play. But this spring training, it seemed like a clear emphasis they go, you know, and, and remember, if you remember, he started last season struggling. Then he took a couple days off. The hitting staff worked with him and said, we want you to work counts more. This spring training, he had 49 plate appearances. He struck out just 10 times. That's right around his career average, right? That's a strikeout rate of 20.4%, you know, right around that 19, 20% rank. And in those 49 plate appearances... He walked 10 times as well. His walk rate was over 20%. I think if Dubon, uh, you're looking to believe in him, I think the Giants are saying, we believe in his ability to put the ball in play and have enough power. And more importantly, we are seeing him develop his ability to work walks. We're seeing him work longer and longer at bats. And I think that's a key part too. If you trust Dubon offensively and you go, shoot, He's an above-average defensive center fielder already. He might be below-average to average at shortstop, even though he could have been above-average, just probably because he's lost some reps there. But he could potentially be above-average defensively at short and center. And if you trust him offensively, you have that in one guy. So then you find, obviously, Brandon Crawford is going to be playing the bulk of games at shortstop. If Austin Slater slash Mike Yastrzemski, I'm going to lean towards Slater, can handle center field, then... You can see why the Giants are talking themselves into this. Now, I'm going to poke some holes in it. Again, I think, frankly, the Giants booting, the Giants kind of ignoring defense in a lot of these things and trusting their ability to be creative. I think we saw it cost them last year. You know, this is not a team that has a dominant starting rotation. That's fine. I don't think they, you know, Obviously, they win a World Series, they'll need a strong starting rotation. But, you know, where they're at, you know, I understand. They don't have Garrett Coles out there. But don't you think, again, with the amount of offensive depth this team has, to me, they can afford to sacrifice a little offensively for some quality defense because that pitching could really use it. I, I mean, again, now, I was a proponent of signing Jackie Bradley Jr. He signed for more than I expected and with a bigger role in, on with presumably is a team closer to contention in Milwaukee. So I don't begrudge the Giants for not getting on those sweepstakes, but I really wanted Bradley Jr. just because I thought, you know, what he could do for this outfield defensively alongside Dubow and just give them so many more defensive options. And again, shortstop worries me because while Crawford sort of was alongside Belt in these veterans with resurgent season, you looked at the peripherals and Crawford's was the one that advanced statistics, the expected batting averages, the batting averages on balls in play, the exit velocities were most skeptical of. That they thought Brandon Crawford was one of the more luck, the, one of the luckiest hitters on the Giants roster last season. And if that's true, and he's about to take a big step back and regress offensively, then I probably 
want Dubone to be taking more of those reps. But if Dubone's taking more of those reps, do I want Slater? Is Slater capable of playing every day in center field? Now, he might be, again, offensively, again, right? If Austin Slater is more than a platoon bat, right? If he is a legitimate impact everyday player, I mean, he showed 2020 potential last season offensively before his elbow injury. He's been a competent defender when healthy. If he could be that, that changes this, right? Because then between Yastrzemski and Slater, you have two really good outfielders. And then, you know, you have Alex Dickerson to platoon with Darren Ruff or, you know, whoever for that kind of last spot. And, and I do think that changes it. The question is, how much trust do you put in Slater? I think they're putting a lot of trust in Slater, Dubone, and Crawford, all of whom, especially Slater and Dubone, I like. But I'm just cautious about, I know if one of them goes down with injury, there's a huge drop-off on a team where that's not true at almost any other position, right? At first base, if Brandon Belt wasn't healthy opening day, that's fine. You got Wilmer Flores and Tommy LaStella and Jason Vossler at the minor league level, and even Lamont Wade Jr., who they acquired. Buster Posey could play first base, right? They could call up Joey Barton. You know, I mean, there's, there's a whole host of things they could do at first base. At third base, they got Longoria. They have Tommy LaStella. Again, they brought in Vossler. You know, at second base, it's Donovan Solano. It's Listella. Wilmer Flores could play there in a pinch. You know, you, you assume Dubone, since he could play short, could play second, right? So it's, it, is, it is peculiar to me that they prioritize depth in so many different spots, except at shortstop and center field. But that's why it leads me to believe that this is a symptom of, when we look at sort of the compare, competitive advantage, right? What is the niche in the market that Farhan Zaidi is searching for. I think that might be in valuing defense differently than other organizations. That they are going to value a Tommy Lestella, Wilmer Flores, players who can't play shortstop but can hit well more than another team and may value a glove first shortstop, uh, a Hide Adrianza, less than another team. Now again, we'll see how this plays out. We know the Giants have made... trades in the first week, couple weeks of the season before one claim on waivers changes this. And Zaidi did say he, they're hoping to add an upper minor league shortstop option. I think it's pretty clear they'll need that for AAA. But they seem confident in their ability to work around this. So we're going to take a quick break. I have one more question, and then I'm going to give kind of my predictions for the season on the other half of this break. So stick around. So the, the next question is from Jason. Uh, again, uh, just to repeat this, again, remember, if you leave a five-star review, add in a comment with a question for me, and I will answer it. And again, as I have guests on the show, if I think the guests can offer uh, an interesting opinion or a perspective on the question, I'll include them in as well, and we can talk about it. So uh, Jason says, firstly, great show. I enjoy reading listening to all your work around the Foghorn. Not a huge on Twitter, but I'll have to check yours out for that consolidated PDF, all the awesome prospects here. Thank you, Jason, for listening um, and reading, and uh, it, for those of you wondering about the PDF, uh, remember I had Giants Prospect Week a few weeks ago, which has the Giants Top 31 Prospects. I look at draft trends, all these other things. Uh, you can go on around the Foghorn, click on those articles, uh, give us those views, and, and we appreciate it, but I did put everything together in a PDF that's in my pinned tweet on Twitter. My Twitter is at MadDeluki, that is M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I if you want to check that out there. Um, but again, th- thanks again for listening, Jason. My question, how do you see the interaction of Luciano's rise and the Giants potential spending on one of the marquee shortstops next year 
Do they spend on a big shortstop in 2022 and have Luciano be the third baseman of the future? Do they avoid the shortstop market thinking Luciano is the guy, use a stopgap like a one-year deal for Crawford or Dubone and spend on some higher-tier starting pitchers? So, Jason, I think it comes down to how the free agent market shakes out. Who ends up hitting the market? Who's hitting it? Because... The reason everyone focuses on the shortstops, it's not just because Brandon Crawford's a free agent. It's really because the shortstop position is where the depth, the star power of this upcoming free agent class is. There's Javier Baez, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story. I'm missing others. I mean, lesser players like even Marcus Simeon and Crawford are there. This is just, this could be, this is probably going to be even with the extensions. And we see Francisco Lindor's deep in extension talks. Oh, Corey Seager, another one of the prominent names is this could be the deepest position of deepest free agent class at any one position in free agent history. So the reason the focus on shortstops is logic is, look, the Giants got money to spend. They might as well go for one of these stars, whether it's Seager or Baez or whoever. Um, If I'm going to piggyback off what I was talking about last segment about the Giants maybe valuing shortstop defense less than other teams, I think that makes Corey Seager an obvious target. One, he obviously has some familiarity with or Farhan Zaidi is obviously familiar with him from his time with the Dodgers. Now we don't know, you know, if you know, maybe Zaidi was lower on Seeger, but I don't see why not. Seeger's or I don't see why he would. Seeger's also young. He'll be 28 next year. So it would seem like, you know, you're gonna target someone on, on the lower end of the age spectrum. And Seeger is probably he's good defensively. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying Seeger's bad defensively, but you know, Javi Baez, right? You're getting a guy with big time power, but also elite defense at shortstop you know um Lindor has always been a great athlete above average defensively Seager over the past couple years has seen his defense regress pretty substantially frankly I mean he came into the league was a really good defender and if you look at the advanced metrics has taken a step back a bit now again that 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 could all change he's still young but I do wonder if Seager is the guy they're looking at. One, he's also bigger. Remember, he's six foot four, and you wonder if as he ages, he's going to want to move to third base. And I think you sign a guy like Corey Seager, right? You slot him into shortstop next season. Remember, Evan Longoria is still under contract. Then the following year, Evan Longoria hits free agency, and you hope maybe in 2023, if Marco Luciano is ready, then you can slide Seager over to third, and, and Luciano can come at shortstop, not too dissimilarly from what the Padres did when they signed Manny Machado and then Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, Tatis Jr., excuse me, um, ended up making his way to the big leagues. The question is really surrounding Luciano's defense. I was skeptical. I thought he was going to have to move to third base or a corner outfield spot, but this spring training, he, he clearly took some steps forward. I think he's a future big league shortstop. And I don't think that leads them to not go after the shortstop market. I just think it makes it more likely that they're going to target whoever the best bat they can get in that group is. And if they can, because if they, they believe they get that bat, that player can move to third base or, you know, second base, I don't think would be likely. But you know what I'm saying? Like they could move to another position and they'd be okay with that. Now, the part about, but why not do a stopgap and spend on some higher tier starters? Again, that comes back to, the depth of this class is offensive, and more importantly, the depth of this class is shortstop. The best starting pitcher right now is probably going to be Noah Syndergaard, and I, I, frankly, I've always been a fan of Noah Syndergaard. I, I really would, would like to add him, but you know, there's a lot of long injury history there. There's a lot of history of inconsistencies. He missed all of last season, the year before his ERAs in the fours. We'll see, right? If he's 
dominant, right? If if there's a pitcher, you know, that's set for free agency that goes and wins the Cy Young, this could change things. It's just that pitcher doesn't look out there right now. There are no Garrett Coles who are going to hit the free agent market. And I think that's going to force the Giants, you know, to not necessarily be able to do what they want in free agency. I think, again, this is why I thought last year I was saying the Giants should, I would have been trying to sign Galsman to a three-year, $40, $45 million extension because I saw the future free agent classes don't have a lot of starters. I think if Galsman has a year, I expect him to, that he could be in a huge contract conversation. I think the Giants have the money. They should pay it. It's just... I thought they had an opportunity to take advantage of it in a way they might not um, because they might have waited too long. And speaking of, of Gaussman and the starting rotation, that's where I'm going to start as I kind of do a 5-10 minute rundown of where I see this team this season. I was, I've been critical, I've been skeptical of the starting rotation, and I'm going to have a piece I'm going to try to write in the next few days about why I'm starting to come around that the future of the Giants starting rotation may come into form in 2021. I've been high on Gaussman. Again, early last season, I bought into what he was doing and think he is going to be a legitimate two through four starter for the foreseeable future. I realize there's a big difference between a two and a four. I'm saying, I think this year he could pitch like a strong big league two. And then, you know, he's going to be 30, 31, you know, then you figure he kind of slowly fades. And I I think that's going to be legitimate. He's always had the stuff to be a really good starting pitcher, and there's just been some other things that haven't come together that the Giants pitching staff, or coaching staff, and his own development, to his credit, have really come together over the past couple of seasons. Behind him, I think a Cueto bounce back is now the question. He's not going to be the Johnny Cueto 2016, but I do think I'm kind of seeing some things that he might be able to be a competent back of the rotation arm. Now, that's not going to impact the future. That's more of a this year thing. Di Sclafani has looked solid in spring training, and I think... You know, the Giants are essentially hoping they can get a pre-2020 Di Sclafani, you know, just a 4-2 ERA and 170 innings. And I think that's looking more and more likely to happen. And again, the, the game changer is Logan Webb, right? He had the best spring training. Frankly, I've seen from a unproven Giants pitcher in some time. Let me pull up the stat line here because I want to get it right to the 24-year-old from Rockland, California. He earned it. Um, Webb... Appeared in five games, 17 innings pitched, two walks, 22 strikeouts, one run for a 0.53 ERA. He was dominant, and he's always been someone who I thought was just an adjustment, just one little step away from being a really good mid-rotation starter because you'd see him get the swing and miss. You'd see him get to two strikes, and he just couldn't put a guy away. They'd foul off a few pitches, right? They'd they'd work the count to 3-2, and then he'd lose a guy to a walk. I just felt like he was always on the edge of being a legitimate mid-rotation arm, and it just he couldn't quite put it all together. I It looks like he's pretty close to, have taking, to taking that necessary step. And if he's a legitimate mid-rotation arm, He's under team control, obviously, for the foreseeable future. I see no reason the Giants should not be trying to extend Kevin Gaussman, assuming Gaussman is the, you know, builds off his success last season. You look going into next year, if you have Kevin Gaussman and he's a looks like a solid mid-rotation to fringe two-starter, and you have Webb, who's a legitimate mid-rotation starter, That's, again, that's not five-man rotation, 
but that's a start. Now, I'm high on Tyler Beatty, even though he's coming off Tommy John surgery because of what I saw. You know, Beatty and Gaussman actually have a lot of common. They're both first-round picks who fiddled with premium fastball velocities but haven't gotten the elite results you'd expect because, you know, of sort of the various ways it plays, but they've had a good breaking ball, struggled with command at times. And I thought Beatty was coming into his own before Tommy John surgery last spring. I think we might be seeing him. I think that's sort of the wild card here because I'm starting to get confident that Webb is going to be a legitimate big league option. Beatty comes back, and Beatty is just, again, just a four-starter. And I really think Beatty, you know, they aren't similar in terms of the way they pitch, but I think a Jonathan Sanchez kind of uh, outcome as a starter is very much within reach, right? Someone who, you know, is undeniably going to be a bit inconsistent, but can get strikeouts, you know, maybe sometimes struggles with walks, and can be a, a guy you trust every fifth day to potentially give you a chance to win and potentially, right, dominate, right? That's kind of what Jonathan Sanchez was in his time with the Giants, where, you know, he'd go through stretches where he struggled, and then out of nowhere, right, he he could throw a no-hitter, right? You know, he was that kind of guy. And I think Beattie is looking like that is very much within reach, and obviously there's more ceiling, but I think it's much more reasonable to expect that kind of three, fringe three, four-starter outcome. And if that comes together, again, I'm throwing a lot of ifs and caveats in here, you have that trio and the Giants have shown the ability to add on the edges, right, to, to find a Gaussman, to find a Drew Smiley. We'll see if a DeSclafani or Aaron Sanchez or Alex Wood hit this year. But, you know, it becomes a lot different if you have three guys penciled in. You only need to add maybe one or two of those fringe guys as you have prospects like Tristan Beck or Sean Jelly or Seth Corey or Kyle Harrison down the line. Coming up, obviously all those guys aren't going to hit, but if just, a, if just one of Tristan Beck, Sean Jelly... Oh, Kai Wei Tang, the more uh, developed starting pitchers. If one of them hits in the next year, that's four starters right there. Now, again, I'm not saying the Giants are going to have a rotation on par with the Dodgers or Padres. They aren't. But I think I'm starting to see the vision that I was struggling to early and often this offseason. Now, on the bullpen side, I've been confident in this bullpen. You know, Kerry Crowley and I joke we are the... We are on the Giants bullpen island, and that was before they added all this depth. Again, I've mentioned guys like Jay Jackson and Leone and Trapeano are all there, and I really like even the fringes of the big league bullpen. I like Wandy Peralta and Caleb Berger, and we'll see Reyes Moranta, right? If Reyes Moranta regains his 2019-2018 form, right, that is a massive boon for this bullpen. You're looking at Jake McGee, who looks like he should be a the most dominant Giants reliever they've had in some time. Moranta's pitching in 2019. You have two incredibly valuable, high-leverage arms to work with before you get to the Tyler Rogers and the Matt Whistlers and all that. In the minor leagues, you still have Sam Selman, who was good for the team last year. It's just an incredibly deep group. Camilo Duvall, another prospect who could be in this mix at some point. This bullpen is going to be really good, and it's one of the reasons why, again, even if the starting pitching doesn't all come together this season, they've built in this bullpen that hopefully can act as kind of a safeguard to things going wrong for the pen. Now, again, that's why I wanted them to prioritize defense a bit more than they ended up doing because I wanted to give kind of even more cushion for the pitchers. But nonetheless, 
they still have a bullpen I trust to be effective and to be able to handle more innings than a bullpen is in a normal 162-game season because of the weirdness of 2020. So many guys are coming back from not even throwing 100 innings to now being expected to throw 180. And I think the Giants are going to be smart and are going to be cautious in a way some other organizations maybe won't. On the offensive side, I've mentioned my concerns about the defense, but in terms of hitting... I really like this group. I mean, again, you don't have the star power you want, but you have a roster deep of guys who I go, that guy is a big league hitter. That guy belongs on a big league roster. And Gabe Kapler is going to have plenty of pinch hitters, plenty of, you know, late game in a close game. There's a run on second base. He will be able to turn to a Darren Ruff or a Donovan Solano or a Wilmer Flores against a lefty. Um, he could turn to a Tommy Listella off the bench, right? Or a, um, you know, or you know, Brandon Crawford or, or Brandon Belt. Obviously, they'd probably be in the lineup. But you, you get what I'm saying, that he will have Alex Dickerson, right? He will have all these guys on both sides who can hit. And the question is, can they find another player beyond Mike Yastrzemski who can play every day in a non-platoon role? And that's where I zoom in on Austin Slater. Slater showed in spring training... The power that we've seen him flash in 2020 shows the defensive ability to handle center field. And more interestingly, remember all four of those homers he hit this spring off of right-handed pitchers. He's a right-handed hitter. If Slater becomes an everyday player, even a two and a half, two war, two, you know, average starter. Again, that's really valuable just because again, that locks up another roster spot with the Giants with all this money that now they don't have to even worry about acquiring you know, a, another future outfielder in free agency or even developing it, right? It gives them the flexibility to, you know, slow play Elliot Ramos a bit if he does not carry over his spring training success to the minor leagues or they don't have to rush a Luis Matos or a, a Louis Matos or a Hunter Bishop, right? All of these things can play out at the pace they need to if a player like Slater hits. Now, the question on, on the infield with the veterans who is able to carry over their resurgence, right? Is Brandon Bell able to repeat 2020 or something close to it? Is Brandon Crawford able to repeat 2020 or something close to it? Is Buster Posey able to rekindle some old success, or is he kind of more like the player we saw in 2019? I'm cautious about both Posey and Crawford and uh, Belt. Belt, I was going to be high on, but just the injuries and the illnesses, I think, you know, at the very least, you have to expect him to have a slow start. I mean, it's just he hasn't seen much big league pitching. He hasn't gotten an offseason to work out. So I, I'm going to be cautious on my expectations for Belt, but that's why it's a good thing they have Ruff and Wilmer Flores and Stella there to supplement um, for him. And again, Posey, who will probably, you know, could play a couple games at, sec at first base. If they need it, the veteran though I am high on is actually I'm highest on is actually the one who had the least uh, quality 2020 by the counting stats by the traditional batting average on base and slugging, and that's Evan Longoria. Again, I wrote last season where he was playing like he hadn't since his days in Tampa at one point, and it was just bad luck. I mean, he was expected home runs were he was the unluckiest hitter for the, for the Giants in that his BABIP was low. He was putting up elite fielding numbers alongside these elite quality contact numbers. And remember, he's a right-handed hitter at Oracle Park. Oracle Park is supposed to play better for right-handed hitters than lefties, and it wasn't 
uh, for Longoria. I think if there is someone who is going to bounce back in a way you aren't expecting to maybe push this lineup to another level or help it maintain the levels it had in 2020, you look to Evan Longoria. That's my prediction for from that sort of veteran group the sort of core of giants that Zaidi inherited from the Brian Sabian slash Bobby Evans regimes as uh, president of baseball operations in San Francisco. But nonetheless, that will do it for this 21st episode of Sound the Foghorn. To stay up to date on all the latest Giants news, rumors, and speculation, check out AroundTheFoghorn.com. You can follow us on social media at RoundTheFoghorn. I am your host, Mark DeLuke. You can follow me on Twitter at MadDeLuke. That is M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I. Remember, we're going to be doing this twice a week now. At least we're going to be trying to every Wednesday and every Sunday. And I can't wait uh, to talk with all of you and keep in touch with all of you about this exciting San Francisco Giants baseball season.